Hey, this is Awesome Listeners. Welcome back. Did you miss us? We know it's been a while, but we have some pretty good reasons for that. Now, while there's no real solid excuses for not being consistent and for going silent, we want to apologize and explain to you what happened. So when we started This Is Awesome, we were very optimistic. However, we didn't take into account the financial aspects or things that may come up in our lives. Now, before our unexpected break, Husky and I both had gone on trips, which we both thought would be short. Afterwards, Husky was out of the country for over a month. And combined with that, we no longer had the funds to maintain the podcast and keep it afloat. So we're back. We have saved some money and we're super excited about our next guest. Husky, I'll let you introduce Farhan. Thanks, Tiana. Guys, episode six is phenomenal. We have the editor-in-chief of The Daily Hive, one of Canada's largest media publications, uh, and our guest is Farhan Mohammed. He has achieved an unbelievable amount in his life so far. He has interviewed Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He was nominated as Vancouver's worst influential people in 2016 and we sit down talk to him about the story of daily hive how it started from a basement to where it is today where they have a huge pad in Yaletown, and they're absolutely killing it they're scaling they've already scaled actually in calgary toronto and montreal so we talked to fran about their goals their ambition where they started from one of the interesting things is that you know we look at traditional publications as the most trusted ones but Daily Hive wasn't that in the beginning, but how they work so hard making themselves legitimate and people actually saying, yep, I heard on Daily Hive and I was like, yep, stamp of approval. I know the Skytrains are done because it was up on Daily Hive. So how did they do that? How do they have more viewership than big mainstream publications like Vancouver Sun or the Globe and Mail? How did they do that? We talked to Fan, he explains it to us and it's just something that Tia and I were both in awe. Um, his humility, his hunger, his passion, his drive, and actually also the amount he wants to give back to the community. He knows that Daily Hive has a responsibility of influence, so they need to use their power and message wisely, and he explains how they do that. So, episode number six. We made it to six episodes, Shanna. Made it to six? Six episodes. Here's episode Run six. Run into the six. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for joining us on uh, the TIA show. Um, and we just want to kick it off really quickly. So, Farhan, we, everyone knows Daily Hive in Canada now. It's one of the largest media publications in the country. Um, and it started off in a garage. How did you build it to where it is today? So it actually started in a basement uh, in South Vancouver. Um, the two founders, uh, co-founders, they were childhood friends. They had known each other since they were kids. and. They wanted to talk about what they loved. They loved the city. They uh, they actually wanted to make some money off of the internet back when uh, back when blogs were taking off and people were making a little bit of cash. Um, and that's kind of the way it started. Talking about what they loved. They loved the city. Um, knew that uh, that there were so many things happening. This idea that Vancouver was a no fun city. That there there's so much happening. There's so many good people here, and no one really knows about it. So back in the day, going back to two thousand and eight. 
um, just over nine years ago. Uh, that's when things got started, and it was a blog. It was Man City Buzz back then, posted. Uh, I think it was on Blogspot or maybe even something before Blogspot, and um, and it was writing just random things about the city, uh, talking about um, talking about development in the in kind of that that fun way, not really caring, completely unfiltered, completely raw, calling people out, not really caring, and um, and that's how it started. It was it was real. You you've had a lot of competition with with a lot of the blogs here, but how did you make you guys stand out more than everyone else? So when we, um, I think right around the Olympics is when things really took off from a blog perspective. We started talking about the things that were happening um, in the city. It uh, we, we, At that point, we realized we didn't have to be inside venues to talk about what was happening. It was all about the events uh, that were happening around town. It was about what's happening on the streets, what people are feeling, what you know the excitement that's in the air. You had the Stanley Cup run that was the next year. Um, and then I came on board in 2012. And at that point, we saw that there was a gap in the market. You had blogs that were writing one, two, three stories a day. You had traditional that was doing 50 to 100 stories a day. And there was this gap kind of in between where you wanted to know things that mattered. You wanted to know what was happening around the corner from you and in your backyard and in your community. And so we said, well, what if we actually started writing about things that people cared about more? And rather than doing three stories, what if we did five? If we did five, what if we did 10? And it got to this point where we saw that we started doing news and we started doing it a couple days after or 24 hours after traditional was doing it. And we would get more pickup. We would get more traction. And so we figured, well, what if we started doing a little bit more than that? And we started doing more than that and more than that. And we started investing in people. And we saw that, um, that we were filling this gap in between where... People really cared about what was happening in their backyard and what was happening uh, around them. And we focused on hyper-local content. And that's where we saw our opportunity to grow and we just focused on it. We said, if it's happening in our city, we want to write about it. If it's happening on the other side of the country, maybe we won't write about it. Um, if it's affecting locals, then we need to talk about it. And we started doing more of that. And so it got to the point that we became the source for events and food, business, life, sports, you name it. Um, and we just kept doing more and more of it. And we look at data, we see what people are reading and we give them more of it. And we see that if they're not reading something, then we have to figure out why they're not reading it. And we'll change it or we'll do more. We'll, we'll completely stop it and go in a different direction. All right. Daily Hive is a huge cultural influencer in Vancouver. So any top 10 lists, People go to Daily Hive for it. So you can only write so many top 10 coffee shops lists. How do you guys stay relevant with listicles like that? Yeah. Um, how do you keep yourselves relevant? I mean, you know, listicles aren't something that are new. They, they've been around for a long time. Maybe they've just been branded in a, bit, in a different way. Um, I remember we used to call things guides back uh, maybe three years ago. Um, everything was your guide to this, guide to that. Um, guide to this food festival, guide to this sporting event, and everything was guides, and everyone was doing these guides, and then it, it kind of switched from there. And all it was was we took those same guides and we just called them something else. Um, but how you stay relevant is that you use those listicles as kind of your way in, that if you know nothing about us, if you've never heard of us before, if you see content for the first time, and you think, oh, 10 best places to get coffee in Gastown. Chances are, well, first off, there's way more than 10 places in Gastown to get coffee. 
but you come in for that and then you realize that we've done features on some of these places we've talked to the uh, we've talked to the owners we've talked to the baristas um, we've done different pieces around Gaston. We've done the history of Gaston. And so the listicles are, are one of many, um, you know, 10 places to get something, but that 10 places to get something is just not one out of 10 on that list of things happening in the, in, in the neighborhood. So uh, listicles are there as a complement um, to everything else that's going on. For sure. And how has the expansion of Daily Hive been going? I saw that you expanded to Calgary, Toronto, Montreal. How's it been? It's been awesome. Uh, when we we opened up in Calgary in at the end of June 2015, and we went in and we said, okay, people had been asking us when we were going to expand, when we were going to get into a new city. So we looked at Calgary as a good opportunity. We looked that Stampede was coming up, and we said, okay, we have to launch before Stampede. We did it, and we uh, we just took a chance, and we had no real idea what we were doing, but we just figured let's try to replicate what we have in Calgary. Some parts of it worked, some parts of it didn't. And we learned a lot from that. And then as we continued, as time went on, more people kept asking, when are you going to come to my city next? And so we said, okay, we have Van City Buzz, we have Calgary Buzz. We can't create Toronto Buzz. We can't do Montreal Buzz. And then if there's more cities after that, what makes sense? And so instead we realized, okay, we have to first of all rethink how we're doing things. Rather than having two different domains because Van City Buzz and Calgary Buzz were two separate. Instead we said, well, what if you just come to one domain? What if all the buzzes around the country, around the world, what if they had a home? And when you think of the buzz, you're thinking, well, the home of the buzz is the hive. And if we're doing content on a daily basis, and you're thinking back to traditionally, they had daily newspapers, uh, and you look at daily hive, and that becomes the home. So regardless of what city you're in, whether you're in Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, you have one home, and one home is daily hive. How is that how's that rebranding phase done? Like it looked like such a complicated process, but once it came about, everyone liked up, oh, everyone says yeah, yeah, you don't hear Van City Buzz anymore. Yeah. Um yeah, it took it took some time even internally for us to to stop saying Van City Buzz. I think it I would say between one to two months. Um I still hear people calling us Van City Buzz and then they they themselves correct uh, they correct themselves, which is nice to see. Uh, that it's uh it was easy it, it was a it was a fluid transition. I think what people people overthink names and a name is just a name. When they when they realized that we were giving them the same content, if not better, uh, they didn't really care what we were called. Um, right off the bat, everyone hates change, and so changing the name it really it really hit. I would say the first weekend even, and then a week later, no one was was worried as much. Wow. So your traffic didn't like. Uh, well, I mean, look, going to a new website, going to a new domain, it obviously took a bit of a hit, but um, no, it's been it's picked up after a few months. It got back to back to where it was, and um, and it's doing really well now. It's it's nice that regardless of what city we're in, people know us as one name. And so before we had audience across on the other side of the country in Toronto, and they knew Van City Buzz, so now they know Daily Hive, and Daily Hive is in Toronto. So it's it's been really cool. Uh, it's a, been a great learning process, especially in the beginning. But we stuck to it. We said we're changing the name, and it's gonna happen. And we have we have no alternative now. There's no other way that we could go back. And so we just had to get pressing harder and harder. So what's been your biggest learning experience besides the rebrand? Was there anything in your early days that you learned from in your experience? I mean, I think for us, the one big thing is that uh, we've learned through you know the school public life. 
putting everything out there. We, we've always been a company that, and a publication that we're going to try things. We're going to see if it works. And if it doesn't work, people will tell us. And sometimes they are overly blunt about it and they, they are unfiltered about it. And you get those nasty emails like, why are you doing this? I never want to see this. This is stupid. I can't believe you guys wrote about this. Um, and so we, we've heard everything and anything. I think in the beginning it was really tough. Um, when I first started, I know those first emails that I got in first comments, I took really, really personally. But then as time goes on, you grow a bit of a thicker skin. And when you hear things thrown at you, you realize, okay, it's not that bad. And, you know, you just have to keep trekking along and put your head down and say, okay, I'm going to take that feedback and I will take it as constructively as possible. Um, But also knowing that we also serve a very wide audience and not everyone is going to like everything. And that is okay. Uh, You have to stick to it and say, okay, this is the direction we want to go in. These are the stories we want to cover. This is the way we're going to cover it, and you're just going to do it. And um, you know, like I said, sometimes it's sometimes it doesn't work, and that's okay. We've we've failed a lot, uh, both on the uh, across the board on everything we've done, um, but we've learned so much from it. Uh, Calgary was a prime example. Went in and did something new, and then came in uh, and revamped it a little bit with the new cities we went into, and um, we've only become so much stronger because of it. When I have a question, when when did you realize that you were onto something? When was that like holy crap? Like this is this is something. Um, I remember back in twenty fourteen, there was the Yale Town shooting that had happened. Oh, summer of summer of twenty fourteen, and I remember that day very well because I was at the gym. I was on a stairmaster, and I'm getting one of it was a contributor. It was a contact sending a message saying, oh my God, there's a shooting and there's been a shooting. Um, at that point, there were three or four of us that were running things day to day. And I'm on the phone. And at that point, we were not on Slack. We were basically doing everything over WhatsApp. And there's three of us that were going back and forth, back and forth. You had someone who was working a full-time job and this was a, a side full-time job. You had someone else who was working this as a full-time job. And everyone was in three different places, uh, and we we just we we were telling news, we were breaking news, and we were doing it from smartphones, we were doing it from random places, um, and we were getting firsthand accounts of everything that was going on, uh, and that was one of those moments where you realize that okay, like we're onto something, and also you see the hits and the traffic, and you know it's not always about the hits, it's about getting things right, and. I remember in that day, there was so much misinformation that was going around. Was the was the person male? Was it female? Everyone was getting it wrong. I think police even at one point got it wrong. So, um, and all the different other outlets were, everyone was telling different stories. And so for us, I remember we told the right one. And at the end of it, we realized we actually have something crazy here. Um, I even I remember there was one time when uh, the news of Kanye Kanye's concert oh. uh, I think that was 2014. Which one? Um, this is when he canceled. This is, this is the one he canceled. <laughs> and then canceled again. And then he canceled again. <laughs> and when we found out that, that he had canceled it, we were getting, we had contacts uh, who were telling us that, hey, I, I heard that Kanye's concert isn't happening. And at this point, everyone was getting ready for it. And we're like, what are you talking about? And he said, no, but there's something has happened. You guys need to look into this. 
And so back in the day, we used to write about things just as rumors and we wouldn't even care. But then we learned from that and we started to, to take things seriously. Um, and we wanted that second confirmation. And so we then said, okay, if this is con- if, if, he, if he's canceling it, we need to go and find someone else to tell us this is being canceled. It needs to be a good enough source. We ended up finding that source, getting that confirmation, and we went out with it. And we said, hey, sources are telling us that Kanye's concert has been canceled. No one believed it. (laughs) Everyone was ripping us apart. And they said, I can't, like, why are you telling this stuff? Why are you you putting this information out? Um, And people were picking up on it. Everyone was trying to figure out what was happening. we were even getting other other questions from reporters saying, you know, give us your source. Where did you get this information <laughs> from? And, and it turned into this giant fiasco. At the end of the day, yeah, his concert ended up being canceled and we were right. Um, but it was crazy how, how much of a fuss that made. Um, and we, we did things kind of by the book and, and, it, and it worked. So there have been many times like that where where you realize that what you're doing is um, it's working, you've built a big enough community, you've got people who are coming to you with information. I've seen everything in, in my inbox from, you know, we're giving away something for free and can you tell, tell your readers to, I just witnessed a murder, uh, do you want information? Whoa. So we've, we've been fortunate enough that we've, we've grown a lot and we've got readers and we cover a whole variety of different things. Um, but with that, we also have a lot of power with uh, that comes with that. And mm-hmm. we have to be careful with some of the information that we're putting out. And um, we, have to, uh, we have to really be responsible with the things that we're putting out there. Right. And even with the power that Daily Hive has, you've obviously collected some influence yourself. So I saw on your LinkedIn, you wrote, The Road to Success by the Drive of Passion. Oh my God, my LinkedIn. <laughs> I have not updated that in five years. It's like a MySpace wow. quote. It's yeah. your MySpace page. LinkedIn is like one of the things I, I barely touch, right? Barely, oh, I barely update. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that Sorry, up. Sorry, I just embarrassed you in front of all of our listeners. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> how does that quote, if it still does, impact it's, your yeah, everyday? And how do you it keep it does. alive? You know, I think um, it's funny because I, I put that out a long time ago. And <laughs> it was this thing that I think, you know, I might have been naive about it. But I said, if I'm going to do something with my life, I need it needs to be something I'm passionate about. That mm-hmm. whole cliche when you're a kid and your parents are telling you and your teachers and everyone around you says, do what it is that, that you're passionate about. It's not going to feel like a job, all that stuff. Um, it it's, has stuck with me, I think, when... Um, as we've grown, as we, even getting involved with the company, uh, I I don't feel like this is work. I feel like this is this is fun. I love I love what I do. I love the fact that we can connect with the community. We we get to um, we get to do some really cool things, and we get to shine spotlights on different individuals that don't wouldn't normally get it. Um, we we we've been able to do some. Some cool things. I even look at the New Year's Eve celebration that our team spearheaded, and some people might say, "Well, yeah, you guys threw a party." And I'm like, "No, but we actually solved a problem. There, there hadn't yeah. been a New Year's mm-hmm. Eve celebration in the city for ten years, and we as and going back now four or five years, we as a company 
thought this was something that could happen. One of our one of our teammates said, "Hey, this hasn't happened. Let's try to let's try to do this. Vanity Buzz, we can put on a firework celebration." You quickly realize that you need police involved, you need the city, you need sponsors and all this to make it happen. And after a couple of years of planning, it actually happened and it became Canada's biggest free New Year's Eve celebration in the entire country. And so I look at that thinking, we we took a problem. We didn't have something. And we figured out how to make that happen. You always hear people bitching and complaining, saying, this isn't happening. Someone needs to do it. No one actually will do it. And so we took that and we said every single year for New Year's Eve, people always, Vancouverites always were, were getting upset. They were commenting and we would see that ourselves. And we said, okay, enough is enough. We're going to put our money where our mouth is. We're going to put our our power as you're saying um and, and we're going to use that and we're going to try to try to do something about it and we did and so now it's okay what is that next thing that we can solve what is the next problem out there that needs to be fixed and um how do we grow our community stronger how do we look at any community that we're in any city that we're in um and how do we make that a stronger place because we're in the community we have people on the ground in all of these cities we want to make them stronger because a win for the city is a win for us. And that's the way that we look at it. Mm-hmm. So, so what's, I mean, you guys have achieved a lot and yourself personally too, but what is that one, like you said, the New Year's Eve was like an overarching goal that you thought, okay, one day we could do, but like, is there something else you guys have in mind? Like, okay, this is something we want to do and, and one day it will happen. I think there's, there's a lot of things that we want to do. Uh, the the downside, the limitation is that you have only so many resources in, in order to do it. We're always now looking for partners out there who are already doing something that's really cool. How can we come on board, work with them? Um, how can we how can we help take it to that next level? Uh, but I look at even with the election, the recent BC election, where we took a stance and we said we're gonna we're not gonna tell you how to vote. But we our we're going to look at what our readers are thinking and see what issues that they care about. And we're going to narrow it, narrow it down and say we're only going to focus on a handful of issues. We could talk about everything, but we don't have the resources to do that. And so we focused on on a few different issues. And we said our goal was to get young people involved, young people engaged. And we felt that's the power that we had. If we weren't doing that, we were failing our readers. And so we did that. It worked. We saw the comments coming in, got all the emails from people who said, I loved what you did. We, we wrote over 210 articles over the span of two and a half months. And it was absolutely a crazy endeavor project that our team took on. Um, but we look at things like that saying young, young people don't normally get involved with politics. We need to make it relevant. We need to make them feel that they matter and they can make a difference. This is our city, this is our province, this is our country. And if we don't do anything about it today, then you know, when we get older, this is, it, whatever happens is gonna be a result of our own actions. So we, uh, we need to get involved and we need to figure out what, uh, what that next thing is that, uh, that our readers and our community is, is wanting. You wrote a really good piece. I read that on the LM. I think you wrote that, right? I love reading that. I was involved in Sam's campaign, and I read that. I was like, I respect you for that. That was a really well written piece. Thank you. You didn't you didn't give out your position, but you laid out you laid down the facts. I was like, yeah. I think it's really noble. You know, it's one of those things. Um, 
that we that we really said and we believed that we're not going to tell you how to vote. We're not going to tell you who we want you, to, who we who we even want to win. Everyone has political ties, or everyone has a, a way that they lean, um, but it doesn't matter. Uh, for us, we look at it that if we're building, a, if we're helping to build a better community, a better whether that's a better neighborhood, a better uh, city, a better province, a better country, um, we're going to win in the long run. And so if we can make that stronger and we can help to get it there, then then ultimately we're all living a better life. And I think that's when we look back at why, why are we doing what we're doing? It's because of that. We've got the power that we can make our lives better. Um, we've got the power that we can hold politicians to account. We can... We can see uh, if someone needs help, whether that's raising a little bit of money, whether that's, you know, they just need people to attend their restaurant or, and go eat there. We, we, we have the power that we can try to make that happen and tell people about it. Whether or not you actually go is, is another thing, but we're telling you, and now it's up to you to take that next step. We're, we're showing you the door, as, as Morpheus <laughs> said. I can take you to the door. I can't, I can't make you open it. Well, I'm gonna take you to the door, and that's what we're that's what we're trying to do. It's really changed the city, I must say. They have it really changed has. Vancouver. Sorry, <laughs> came to mind. <laughs> have you heard any stories from readers on how Daily Hive has impacted them or their business? Um, yeah, I remember uh, countless times. Uh, we've had businesses who, who uh, after their opening weekend, they've asked people, you know, patrons. How did you hear about us? Was it through X or was it through Y? And that Y was Daily Hive. Um, I think what's what's really nice, uh, we don't do it for the glory. We don't do it for the, it's not even about the hits. It's not about any of that, as, I, as I've said. And many people might choose not to believe that. They'll say, that's a bunch of crap. You're just BSing us. Um, but really, that's what it is. Um, it's it's okay for us if we lose some readers. It's okay if people don't agree with us. That's the way the world works. No, not, no one is going to agree on every single thing. You've been involved in a political campaign. You know that you're going to knock on someone's door and they're going to spit in your face. And that's how it's going to be. You, there, there's no way against that. That's how people are. And, and in fact, we have to embrace that. We, I love seeing when people, um, when, they, uh, when they engage with it and, and there's something actually constructive and they're giving... They're giving feedback or they're, they're, there's negativity, but it's it's fact-based. There's actual thought that's gone into it. Not just, I'm gonna read a headline and tell you what I think, but it's I'm actually reading this piece and I'm, I've got knowledge and I think uh, I completely disagree. That's the kind of stuff that I love because it, it sparks debate and dialogue. And if anything, that's what we need more of. Young people aren't are, are online and they're just, you know, they're tweeting or they're commenting and they're, they're leaving these these messages all over the place, but they're not actually going and taking that next step. They're not going and saying, okay, there's a public consultation that's happening because there's a rezoning application that's on the table. Online, they're gonna say, I want more development or I need, I wanna see a, a new park in my backyard. Um, but they're not actually gonna go to that consultation. They're not gonna voice their opinion in person where it actually matters. And then you look and see, well, we didn't get what we wanted because you didn't show up. So. There's, yeah, going back to your question, there's, 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 been, um, there's been countless, countless number of times. And I think for us, when, when I get that comment or I get someone that's coming and, and they're giving you that, that virtual high five or sometimes it's in person, 
um, it really helps to reinforce you know that you're you're doing a good job um, that we are we are helping people in their lives uh, if there's one thing that I want it's that we can make someone's life easier we can make their their bond between their friends stronger uh, whether that's saying here's a place for you to go eat and you can take your friends with you and you have there, there's your community building right there or it means that we're impacting on um, on a bigger scale Nice. We have a question that we always ask. Pesky, did you have another question? No, I, I have so many, but I think we should. Uh, <laughs> take some extra five cents, but I think maybe we should switch to his personal. Sort of Absolutely. And that's where I was just going to go. Great Look at that. Yeah. This is why you do this together. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a question that we always ask. Um, if you read books, I don't know if you do. Um, is there a book that has impacted the way you think or the way you thought about something? Or changed your perspective even? So, full uh, transparency, I have probably about 15 to 17 books that I have piled on my <laughs> nightstand that I've been I've been meaning to read. Um, I think it's finding that time to read. Uh, because for me, if I, at the end of the day, if I've got half an hour, then I'm responding to my overflowing inbox. But there is one book that I've been reading uh, slowly the hard thing about hard things and what's been really interesting about it I think is no matter these books that I read or the podcasts that I listen to um, hearing about other entrepreneurs who have tried to make it uh, there's this thing that's in us or that has been in me in the beginning that what I'm doing is unique to my own situation and I'm going through a hard time I'm building I'm trying I'm, I'm working with others and we're all, we're all trying to build something but we're all for me at least it's it's facing those hard things, having those tough conversations. Uh, and then you read books like this or you, you you listen to the podcast and you realize everything that you're going through, someone else has gone through, if not many others have gone through. And uh, learning from others has been a really, a really great, um, great thing. Even having good mentors who can, who can help you through those and coach you through those and uh, helping you to learn that everyone, everyone's gone through it. No, it's not just you. There's, there are countless number, countless people that have that have tried and they've failed, and just like you, you have failed. Um, yeah, the, that's. Uh, I, I need to finish that book though. <laughs> so it's all about how, like, sharing the journeys of different entrepreneurs. And is there mm -hmm. an entrepreneur that you like admire? Like, wow, that guy's cool. I know there's many. Um, I look at them though, I, I like seeing the, the challenges that people go through. Um, I think that many always talk about the wins and everyone always focuses on the wins. I like seeing when people get knocked down and how they pick themselves back up, um, how they've done that. Uh, I look at my, like my dad is someone, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's, he's gone through his ups and downs. And for me, that's someone that I've learned a lot from. Um, Learning that that you you can have it all and you can lose it all you can have it all again and you can lose it all again and you can go through these ups and downs and, and it's okay that's the whole point of life uh, life is not going to be easy and the work that you do is not going to be easy no one's going to hand you anything even getting here um, I have a job today because I asked for it uh, no one was going to say here you go here's a job you finished school here's your here's your Here's your 
you know, your entry into into your career uh, you have to really grind for it you have to put everything you have into it and even then sometimes it's not enough even then sometimes you have to do more and get to that point of uh, you start questioning am I am I doing this for a reason why am I doing all this um, and then you realize that uh, what it is that you're in for for us and for me especially here uh, I love the fact that we get to tell other people's stories I I still don't know where else you can do that um, we get an email with a tip saying hey I've got this thing going on and I need some help because I need to, I need some people to come to something or I, I just I need people to know about it. I'm, I'm trying to help kids on the other side of the of the world or or on the other side of the city and I need some money to make that happen. And if we can help tell that story and they can raise those funds and then next thing you know, there's kids who have now grown up and they've got the right education, they've got the right support and those kids are now contributing to our society. Um, that's a win and, and we're in that very fortunate position that we can help make that happen For sure. Did you always know that you wanted to do storytelling even when like you were in school or were you in school? I was in school. Oh, okay. I finished school <laughs> um, I Storytelling not necessarily but community building yes um, being part of the Ismaili Muslim community for us it's always been about community helping others um, and, and and looking at at your you know, humankind, um, we've, we're all in this position today here in Canada. At least a lot of us are very fortunate to be here. And my parents came from East Africa. They left when they were very young. And I think that if I was in that position and I was living in Africa, things would be very different than they are today. Um, but I'm very fortunate to be in Canada and. Uh, we are in a very fortunate, I use that word you know, all the time, but it's true. We're very fortunate to be here. Um, you look at what's happening around the world and we're in Canada. Um, and so we're very lucky and, and we have that position and we need to use it. And you have to have this, this life of meaning and life of purpose. And for me, it's always been around community building that if I can help others, then I have to. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to become old and think back and regret that I had this opportunity and I didn't take it. So uh, I have to do something with life. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we can cut this off. How many minutes are we at? No, no, we, we, I, we can keep going. Um, just, I guess the, the final question on, on our side is, yeah, we're fortunate to be in Canada. You spoke to the Prime Minister. <laughs> you knew it was coming. <laughs> um, what was that like? So I had, I had a chance. I've met him a few times. I had a chance to, to speak with him back when he was the leader of the party in, uh, in 2015. So it was before the election. Um, and then I was, again, got a very fortunate opportunity to to sit down with him at the YPO Edge conference earlier this year here in Vancouver. And it was uh, it was a very humbling experience for me. Um, I think, you know, I looked at that as a... First off, it was a, what the hell? I can't believe I'm actually <laughs> sitting here. What, who, who asked me? Why would they ask me, of all people? I could have thought of a hundred different people who should be sitting in this chair instead. Um, 
But instead, I had that opportunity, and it was it was something that was scary as hell. Uh, right before we got on stage, they said to me, "So, Farhan, you're gonna you're gonna go out, you're gonna walk this way, and then you're gonna introduce the prime minister. He's gonna come out." And I said, "Whoa, whoa wait a second, I'm gonna introduce the prime minister." <laughs> they said, "Yeah," and I said, "Wait, I, I I don't I don't know what to do. How do you introduce the prime minister? How, I, I I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do." And they said, "Just go out and introduce him," and kind of patted me on the back, and I said, "They said you have thirty seconds." And <laughs> I had 30 seconds to try to figure out what the hell I was going to say. In hindsight, I was like, oh, I could have said something so different. Um, But in the moment, I think it it worked. Uh, Someone in the audience said uh, that I was telling the story to, they said, you pretty much just had to say, ladies and gentlemen, it's Justin Trudeau. And that's all I I had to say. Um, And so I I don't think it even mattered. But uh, it was very nerve wracking. And then it was very comfortable. I tried to, to not think that there were a few thousand people in the audience and, uh, and it was just us. And it was it was surprisingly very comfortable. It was like I was chatting with a friend sitting on a sitting on couches and it was nice. Uh, we it was a leadership conference um, or to do with leadership. And so it was more on the line of of that. Uh, and, and even hearing from him uh, the struggles that he faces on a day-to-day that I thought my job was hard and I face criticism from readers, I can only imagine the criticism that he faces and the thick skin that he must have. And so I think I've, over the years, I've gained uh, a much stronger appreciation for our politicians and what they have to do, the life that they lead, um, because that is not easy for anyone. Sure. Well, <clears throat> Brian, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. And, and speaking to us, that was awesome. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, I'm just gonna end it right here, but we can speak.